Alright, welcome to the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Paul Young Jr. Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic here for free for you now. How's it going, Trent? How are we, how are we hanging in there? We're here, man. We're talking, you and me. That's We're good. Here. Chris Meany's on the other line. We are. All three of us here. Yes. Good friends, you know, checking out. Happy and healthy. Uh, you know, uh, again, it always feels very, I feel like we have to drop this disclaimer every single week. We understand it feels trivial talking about baseball considering everything that is going on, but I think, uh, because of everything that's going on and, uh, how much it weighs on every, every moment of every day of everybody's life, we're going to try to be a little bit of a distraction. Uh, <laughs> and just for a minute, uh, maybe talk about something different, like, like playing baseball. Uh, and maybe that will help in the Cincinnati Reds. So hopefully that can maybe help people through days that are, uh, pretty, pretty dark at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, saying that we're, everything's going to be couched by that though. Like you can't yes. really talk about, uh, 2020 Reds or any team without saying when, if the season begins, you know, those kind of things. So yes. Still understandable, um, but just wanted to throw that in. It's not going to be like completely free of uh, acknowledgement of the world around us. No, because I mean, it's, you know, if you're just if you're saying, okay, we're taking all that out. We've couched it properly. We're just looking at it through a Reds lens. It, it affects, it is, it affects everything that's happening organizationally right now and a big part of everything. So today, um, you know, we're, we're recording this on Monday, although it's hard to remember what day it is anymore. Uh, <laughs> and Derek Johnson did a conference call, Reds pitching coach. And, you know, it's to sit there and, and talk about, uh, you know, Luis Castillo and how he looked in the spring and, and Trevor Bauer and, and all these other guys. And that's all fine and good, but it's all part of every single conversation. A part of that is when the season starts, what that's going to look like, who it's going to affect the most, how you're keeping in contact. You know, it makes for an interesting, interesting conversation, but it makes for a lot of dealing in vagueness. You know, every, everything is sort of just surrounded with a cloud of vague. And that's, if you're just specifically talking about baseball, it's, they're, they're no exception. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, Derek Johnson, what, you talked to him today. What, you know, there was a conference call, so a bunch of us talked to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Derek Johnson sort of talked on a conference call today. I mean, what, what was your, you know, takeaway on sort of the, mainly him talking about what this is going to look like whenever it is that it potentially kicks back up? Well, I think, you know, what, this is kind of weird, um, to say this, but it's almost like, how do I put this? It's almost like even someone who should know what's going on, like they have no idea. You know, it's like he can talk in generalities. And this is someone who's, you know, very much in the know. Nobody in the know knows anything. So it's like, oh, you know, I I, I think what's interesting is, is guys like him. We talked to um, David Bell recently. They're in the same boat we are. Where it's just like, yeah, I don't know. And there's some interesting thought exercises that are like, well, if it starts X, we can then do Y. But if it starts Z, then we have to do this, you know? And so it's just, it's, it always is kind of stunning. It's like, you know, especially a pitching coach. A pitching coach usually has this all planned out. They had, they had spring planned out to the day, you know? Knowing that things will change with injuries or sickness or whatever, or just soreness or anything like that, but it's usually so planned. And so Derek Johnson had had like this plan, like who was going to throw today, um, what they were going to do tomorrow, uh, Tuesday and the workout day and who was going to have bullpens then. I mean, that was, that was planned in early February. He knew that in early February and now doesn't know anything. And it's like, well, if we can start whenever, maybe it looks like this. How many games are we playing? How many games are we playing? That's a question that's just not been asked for, you know, I guess that's what, 1995? <laughs> so, I don't know. It just, it, it that is my biggest takeaway is, is just how different it is to, to the unknown and how much unknown there is. 
Yeah, and and then you get into the challenges of guys spread out all over the country or world. and in different or world exactly trying to figure out how to stay ready for whatever and you know they're they have WhatsApp and they've got their team on there and and you try to talk to people that way and you try to figure out where guys can and should go to work out and track all that and what does that look like and you know you end up in in a lot of you know a lot of communicative situations where you're just trying to make sure you're keeping up with everybody and and where and how they're doing and work on a lot of logistics right now as as people sort of sort of hunker down and that's that's created I mean, that's kind of a fascinating world too of how everybody is trying to keep up with that yeah uh, and so you know you just and, and like there are so many questions when you're talking about pitching arms it's like well how much is too much right now? Do you maintain? Do you ramp it down? You know, what, what do you do? And, and, and nobody's quite sure because of just, because nobody's quite sure, <laughs> simply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I find it, I, I find it interesting. There were, you guys asked a question about, um, it was talking about tandem rotations. Yeah, somebody was like, you know, maybe do you do something different like that? I think that was, um, you know, Mark Sheldon was like, hey, do you do you think about trying to do some like tandem rotations or anything different? Yeah, and and that goes and that goes back to the exactly like you said the how many games they're playing thing because you can if you're in like you if you're in a a shorter season, I mean, you're not going to need that many pitchers. You can it, we, you you get in to a different, maybe a different idea of what a rotation should look like. You're almost playing playoff type baseball on a nightly basis, which is a, a fascinating thought. Um, right. But who knows? And, you know, and, and, and DJ compared it maybe to college baseball where, you know, it is a sprint, not a marathon. Um, and, and, and then if you have double headers thrown in there, um, do does a guy with options become that much more valuable? Is 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 a guy like Tyler Malley um, huge? Because then you can kind of bring him up and down and do whatever you need to do with options for that that twenty seventh player. Now he used to be called the twenty sixth player, but now it will be the twenty seventh player. You know, it's just all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah, and uh, Thursday would have been opening day, uh, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about because everyone you know we've all detached ourselves into this new reality now at this point and that's almost seems like forever ago that that was a date that you everyone would have circled and be anticipating but you know now it's just another day uh on the calendar but um you know it's sort of a rem- serves as a bit of a reminder of <laughs> how far off everything everything is but yeah there's there's just at this point there they're trying to keep in touch with everybody they can. People are trying to throw as they can, trying to stay healthy. But really, until there is ever any sort of sense of when it could start back up again, um, everyone just is doing what everybody else is doing. You're just kind of hanging out. Um, I thought that was interesting. They're playing baseball in Korea again. Uh, those are interleague games or like inter squad games. They're playing. No, but but playing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, like, you know, and, and I, I don't know if you saw the story I wrote a little earlier this year, uh, or the year. It all seems, it feels like a year. Yeah. The Dan last Straley week. Story? Yeah. The Dan Straley story. Yeah. You know, and, and like Dan is, of course, not a exactly, you know, I, I, Dan's a great pitcher, a great guy. Um, interesting to talk to, but he's not a public health expert. But, um, he did say it, it kind of feels like Korea's ahead of us. And, and I think most places you look, you read that. That's kind of a consensus. Um, so that is some light at the end of the tunnel. I know we're recording this Monday. Um, so it will be Tuesday morning in Korea, Monday night in Cincinnati at like 1030 on, on YouTube. The, um, the, the Giants, that's, that's who he's with. The Giants, the Latte Giants are going to like put on their YouTube channel. The, uh, the inner squad game. So that's kind of cool. I mean, who knows? I mean, there might be a lot of people watching Korean baseball here pretty soon. I mean, I saw a lot of people tweeting about like Aussie rules football when they were still showing that and then that got shut down. Yeah. Like, if there's anything, look, I watched, I watched slippery stairs last night on the Ocho and I gotta say, I was into I, it. I gotta, 
I'm I'm, I'm at the what? point now. I watched. Where I'm like, you know what? Stairs. How can I get access to some slippery stairs? We saw that. Um, I guess they had like. Did they do an Ocho thing on like New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or so? Maybe it was New Year's Day. Yeah, they've they've they have tru- they have trucked it out occasionally. Yeah. Uh but this was the latest example. I, I saw that um when we were on our cruise uh around then. So yeah. Well slip the slippery stairs they, they did apparently do a college tour. Nice. And I gotta say, there is no doubt in my mind if I was in college, like I would be the first in line, ready to go. If if not participate, definitely be front row with one of the like terrible signs. Which was funny, they'd have these people have these signs in the front row, and they were just terrible. Would just say like, "Ooh, yeah, these stairs are slippery." And I'm like, "Did you really need a sign for that? You know, like we can't come up with something better. Like you're at the slippery stairs, man. There's like lots of options here." Uh, but needless to say, it was highly entertaining. But that's where we're at. We are at the, hey, I could really use more slippery stairs in my life segment of the program. And we we're only just getting going. So let's go with some intra-squad baseball is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, so let's uh, let's bring you some of the Derek Johnson conference call. And uh, we're going to come back after that. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about um, a little organizational outlook at the Reds outfielders um, and how – that position group has maybe changed um, over the course of the last year and some of the names to watch in the system uh, as, as it sets up right now. But first here's a, here, here's a few snippets of, of the conference call uh, with Derek Johnson from Monday. Derek, how do you keep in touch with guys and how do you kind of uh, monitor what they're doing? Great question. So we have sort of um, in-house we've set up, um, some different ways that, that we can communicate. We have um, uh, WhatsApp, which we basically have, um, you know, our full team that's on that. Uh, we also have split that into subgroups, so the pitchers have their own channel. Uh, the hitting guys have their own channel. Um, so, you know, we're keeping in touch with them that way and um, trying to give them information as much as we can. And, and that, that information is not only coming from me, but that's coming from our health and performance. That's coming from... Um, you, you know, just different um, updates on on what what the uh, the health organizations are are talking about with this with this thing, and um, you, you know, it's also basic um, how you doing, how you feeling. Um, you, you know, just monitoring their health um, as they're away from us. But you know, I mean, in terms of monitoring what guys can and can't do, there's just so many things right now that that they're unprecedented and they're unknown. I mean. We have guys literally all over the country and even in a couple of different countries that, um, you know, where, where they live, um, is, you know, some places they can train a little bit more than others. We have some guys who are, are really stuck right now and don't have a whole lot of places to train and, and things like that. So right now it's mostly it's monitoring their health and making sure that, that, they're they're not you know coming down with anything, and then the second part of it is you know trying to figure out how we can help them work out at home, uh, how we can help them um, you know kind of navigate through this whole thing, uh, still being able to kind of move their arms and, and knowing that there's a you know a pretty good potential that a lot of them don't have access to a catcher or a mound or um, you know even an indoor place to throw. How much time do you think? Uh, your pitching staff and particularly your starters will need once they are able to ramp up up to be ready for a start of the season. So every single one of our starting pitchers, the six that we had, you know, kind of going in camp, um, and that includes Tyler Molly, uh, were between 57 and 65 pitches in a game. And, and so, um, that's where they were built to their next, the, this, that upcoming week was going to be, you know, pitches 75 to 80. Uh, we would get many of them to 90, 95 and then back, try to back them down before the season started. And some of those guys we weren't going to be able to do that with other guys we would have been able to. Um, as far as the relievers go, they were in their fifth and sixth appearance. Um, generally speaking, we're giving them 10 in spring training. Some guys will have maybe one less. Some guys will have a couple more based on, you know, how much we think we need to see them. 
I mean, in reality, the longer that this thing goes, the more time they're going to need to be built up. Um, you know, if it if next week they tell us to come back to Arizona and start training again, I think we can ramp up fairly quickly. Um, you know, if, if a month or longer passes, I think we're going to look for a longer build-up time. And hopefully, you know, everyone understands that because I think injuries, this, this could definitely be one of those situations where uh, injuries could become a huge factor if we don't do it the right way. Would you expect that there to be uh, like tandem type rotations or any type of scenario like that if they do play like an abbreviated schedule with more double headers and, and just building up more pitchers and carrying more pitchers? Is that what you kind of envision? Are you planning for that? I'm not planning for that because I don't know, um, but I, I definitely think that, that that could be in the cards. I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, um, you know, let's say they play a, an 81 game schedule. They just stick the, the second half. And I haven't heard that that's going to be the case at all. So, you know, I'm just speculating. But let's just say that they did that. Um, you, you know, how they did it and the amount of time they did it would be dependent upon how many pitchers we would need. But I, I think there's all sorts of, of different combinations that you could look at here. And, you know, they all can, can make some sort of sense. I mean, if they try to, um, uh, you know, they, they, they try to take a, a certain number of days and put a certain number of games in it, um, basically packing uh, a full season into a shorter amount of time. I think that's when you're going to see uh, more pitchers are going to be needed. We're going to have to figure out maybe a different way to, to look at this thing. Um, if it's a little bit more standard with a couple of double headers kind of mixed into it, then, you know, we, we do get the extra man, so that may be, um, what they're shooting for, you know, we get the extra man on the doubleheader day. Um, so that's where your, your optional pieces kind of probably come into play, you know, guys coming up from AAA and then coming back down because they have an option. Do you have any idea what uh, a modified camp would look like? How many guys you guys would have in camp? I think right now it's it, whatever we kind of ended with is probably what we would start with. We may have to add uh, a non-roster guy here or there um, just to, to sort of make ends meet. I think a lot of it will depend on whether or not we play other teams or whether we play more um, inter-squad type, type setting. Because um, if, if we do that, then we can sort of make our, our own games so we can have a five-inning game on one day if we wanted to. We could have, you know, a 13-inning game on one day if we, we'd like to. So I think a lot of it will kind of depend on when and where we train and, and, you know, what that looks like in terms of a buildup. Uh, they're just curious as to if any of the guys had done anything really creative or different to try to make this thing work for them in their personal area or their personal time. No, it's cool. It's a cool question. And it's actually something that we've talked about internally too, um, you know, based on that WhatsApp channel, um, we've kind of been sending out different ways to, to work out at home. Um, I'm doing some tutorials on how to tie um, tubing to fences so that you can use it for uh, your shoulder warm-ups and, and, and arm exercises and things like that, um, how to hang a net. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it's really important that our guys learn how to improvise, and I think that's that's a tough thing for, for a lot of these guys. Um, they, they've never had to really improvise. I mean, you know, they went to high school and they had good facilities. Um, we don't have too many farm boys that just grew up in the middle of nowhere that, you know, had to improvise for everything they do. So in, in a lot of ways, um, I think this can help our pitchers um, learn how to improvise. And I think the, the best trait for a, for a pitcher in game is someone who, who can, um, you, you know, I mean, um, guys who have different stuff on different days, you have to learn how to compete with whatever you have. And I mean, I think this is a way for us to learn how to do that. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to paint this rosy colored picture or anything, but at the same time, I am trying to look for positives and, you know, one positive that I can see coming out of this is if we learn how to improvise, how to train, how to, um, you know, how to fend for ourselves a little bit, I think it, it shows up in our game and makes us better. And uh, that, that sounds maybe corny or whatever, but it's it's definitely something I'm holding on to. Definitely something that I've already talked to our, our pitchers about. All right, great to hear uh, from Derek Johnson. Before we get started jumping into the outfielders, I do want to remind you that, look, even though tournaments have been canceled and, and leagues are suspended, there hasn't been a live game on TV, it feels like, forever 
even though it's been a week, there's there's no better reminder how important sports are to lives than when you take them away. That's why you know the Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And even though these times are strange, weird, and uncertain, there's still hard work to do and excellent reporting, telling unique, engaging, informative stories here. Uh, you've read them all in our Cincinnati Athletic uh, throughout the week. Whether we're talking about uh, all the the Bengals coverage uh, from free agency, we just talked earlier about Trent talking with Dan Straley about what's going on over there uh, on that side. You know, there's so many stories uh, in the inside the life of UC athletics as they figure out exactly how this all works and trying to figure out what zoom is and how to make it work for them uh you know from justin williams every single one of us has stories like that and we're all working for you and that's why the athletic wants to help keep connected to your teams and athletes and sports that you love so if you see yourself loving all the stories loving the creativity loving this podcast you can receive 40% off an annual subscription right now. 40% off, dropping that offer on you. So games aren't being played, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to W-A-R-P. That's theathletic.com slash W-A-R-P if you want to get that 40% off discount. We hope to see you there. Uh, so – if you get get the subscription, uh, you've you've seen stuff. You know, Keith Law has had his rankings of of the Reds farm system. We've written a lot about different guys that are part of that. Um, you know, you can read a lot of great stories about the acquisition of Shogo Akiyama uh, that Trent Trent did when he was first signed, and since then, there's lots of stuff there. We're going to talk outfield today. I'll say this before we Segway jump into King, Paul Dana you like Jr. that. That was you like sweet. That? that was really yeah. nice. You know the only <laughs> the only thing that can ruin a great segue, Trent, is pointing it out. <laughs> no, I like it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kudos. We need it. We need whatever everything's to make us feel good in times like these. We need them. I, I do want to say I I want you to I help me out with this here. You, I'm we here to help you. Paul. I know you are. I know you are. You're very helpful. That we were talking about this before we came on air about how interest. It's kind of interesting how the organizational—I wouldn't call it depth—but the way things are allocated organizationally in the outfield has changed pretty dramatically over the course of the last year. Can you help explain to people why that is and and what the big you know what's been the biggest reason why? Well, I mean, to uh, Nixon's out graduated. And became an outfielder. Uh, Taylor Trammell is gone. Jose Siri is gone. They've signed Shogo Akiyama and Nick Castellanos. And, and, and like even a year ago, if we were talking right now, he, uh, trying to think where is Aristides Aquino. Let me see if I. That's what I was just trying to think. I, I, I he would, he felt so off the radar. And I don't know how, you know, not having been deep in the farm system game, uh, so to speak last year, I don't know exactly where he was, uh, this time a year ago, but, and that's how quickly guys can rise up. But it, now you've got all of these guys are part of the major league club and, and the minor league outfield system doesn't look as stacked. You have, if you go by the MLB.com rankings, you have, um, only two of the top 10 and three of the top 15, three of the top 17 yeah. are outfielders. So, you know, it's kind of what's here now is here now for a little while, they hope. Yeah. And that's kind of where you are. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird how quickly that can change. Um, I was trying to look in my, I couldn't find my, I, I have this big stack of all the baseball prospectus uh, prospect handbooks. And it's right behind me, but I can't find 19. I can get you 2000. I have two copies of 2014 if you need, but I can't find 2019. <laughs> so I was going to try to give you a little list, and then I started looking at, oh, the best laid plans. Um, yes. And so, like, while you were talking, I was thinking about that and did not hear the question. This is great podcast. <laughs> No, I okay. Here it is. Entered 2019. Aristides Aquino entered the 2019 season, rated by Baseball America as the 19th best prospect in the organization last year. Um, so okay. that was probably I did not do the list last year. Um, so I'm probably thinking of who he's behind, but it was behind several people. Yeah, 
I mean, that's that's pretty far off the radar to go from that to a central part, you know, a central part, to definitely a part of the team's plans or options going forward. So you've got, I mean, you figure you have you have Shogo for three years, you have Aquino under control, you have Senzel under control, though we've talked much about what could become of him, whether he stays or is potentially part of a bigger trade or whatever. Um I mean, that's, and then Castellanos, obviously, but we know that can basically break down to a one-year deal, so there's no long-term guarantee in that. I mean, Irvin and Winker, I mean, are still around. Oh, yeah. Winker is, Wink, Winker is still how many more years under team control? Several. I think four. That sounds right, yeah. because he wasn't ARB eligible yeah. this year. Yeah, I mean, you've... That's a, that's a, all the guys that are up here right now, all part of what looks to be a pretty decent outfield, all are going to be around. I mean, there, there are, that's a core that you can build around. So the idea of the farm, you know, minor league system being low isn't necessarily maybe even relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, that's the thing is it's like, it's not to now. Let's let's let me throw out a caveat on this because well, that's apparently all I'm doing today is throwing out caveats left and right. But um, throw out a caveat that yes, having a good, having a better uh, farm system is better than having a bad farm system. And the Reds don't have a great one right now. Um, however, it is the point of the farm system isn't to win baseball America's list. It's to help the team. And the way this has been designed is that they're finding their outfielders, other places are feel set in their outfield for a little while. And they want some of their better players to be further away, if that makes sense. And sometimes, you know, those further away prospects can be rated lower just because they are further away, or sometimes they're actually graded higher because they haven't gotten their, uh, they haven't been exposed yet. So, you know, that whole thing is kind of weird. But yeah, so they, they don't have a lot of those big impact players um, in the outfield right now, uh, but they do have some interesting guys, you know. One, one that um, Dick Williams mentioned to me when we chatted when I was out there was Michael Ciani, and he's the top-rated outfielder in the system at num- in number six overall via the MLB rankings. Um, it, and I think there's a lot of optimism uh, for him. Left-handed uh, outfielder played um, played in A-ball. Yep. Uh, so, you know, they have an ETA of 2022 on him. He's only 20 years old. He, um, yeah. he's, that, he kind of fits exactly what you're talking about, right? The guy with maybe where you're looking at the long run – uh, of of you know maybe a higher ceiling, uh, but you don't really know fully what he is yet. But there's a lot of there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, you know he was a guy that was kind of under like uh who was kind of seen as a really good prospect coming into the 2018 draft. Um, did play in Pennsylvania, so sometimes you know those cold weather places, um, they're tougher to to judge. Um, because they don't get to play as much or as against as good a competition. Um, and he slid going into that year. You know, he was a guy who was going to go to UPA. His younger brother is a year younger, played, was going to go to Duke and got drafted last year. Um, I think in the second or third round, um, there was a point where the Reds might have taken him, but they didn't. Um, I was preparing for that story. Uh, I did not get it because he went, I think, I don't remember who took his brother, but one thing with Siani is this guy is an amazing defensive center fielder, like legit defensive center fielder, like right up there with, um, you know, they had Jose Siri who was a really good defender. Um, but yeah, Siani might be the best defensive player the Reds have in the minor leagues and it's at an impact spot in center field. Yeah, so that, that he'll be an interesting one to watch. I mean, I guess when they minor league, whenever minor league gets started, uh, where do you, I guess he would probably, would he do another year of, would he move up to advanced A or would he? Yeah, he would probably, he would, he would be in, in, in Daytona, not Dayton. Okay. Gotcha. That can always be tricky. Daytona. Yeah. Daytona. So. Um, the guy who's maybe closest to being seen at Great American Ballpark. 
would probably be Stuart Fairchild, who is number 10 overall on the MLB list. Is that that's fair to say? He played double A last year. I, I, I'd go TJ Friedel would be a shot okay. as well. I mean, TJ got hurt last year, um, had surgery on – I'm blanking. It was either his ankle or foot. It was down there. But um, TJ is a guy who who could who could come up too. Um, Stewart Fairchild is another guy who's probably seen more as an everyday type player, whereas TJ Friedel's seen as maybe a fourth or fifth outfield type. Uh, but Fairchild had a really good um, uh, year last year. Uh, played in the Arizona Fall League as well, and played. Uh, if, if I'm remembering, I don't remember exactly how he did in in the Fall League, but he was in the Fall League. Um, a guy who can play all three outfield spots. His power kind of came on last year more than it had, which is good. And this was not with the juiced ball. He had 12 homers between high A and double A. Um, so at triple A, that translates to 20 homers because of the juiced ball last year. So he's a guy that I think they're we saw him in spring training this year and he looked comfortable. He looked like a, looked like a big league type player. So I think he's a guy who struggled early in his pro career coming out of Wake Forest, but is seen as someone who could, who could be, um, one of those, one of those players to make the big leagues. Uh, Fairchild's 24 right now. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's Not becoming yet. time a little bit. Not yeah. yeah. Second um, round pick in 2017 out of Wake Forest. Yeah, next name when you get down to 14 overall is one recently acquired, uh, Jameson Hanna, who was part of the Tanner Roark trade, right? Was the piece right. of the Tanner Roark trade. Um, you know, so he's 22, um, young guy. He's, he's, you know, that was another college as guy. a lottery ticket trade, right? I mean, um, you know, he was a guy that was, um, he was a second round pick of the A's in 2018. Um, but he, but he came from Dallas Baptist, which is a smaller school that's kind of known for one of the more progressive type, uh, when it comes to training and, um, doing some of those things. So it's kind of interesting. There, there are people who've thought of him as a guy who could, who could really hit. He's got, you know, he can run and do all of those things. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. He was someone whose whose star kind of faded um, before he got traded, and uh, the Reds did get him. And he's a smaller guy, five nine, one eighty five. So he's he's someone who I don't know if it's really a lottery ticket, but maybe you see as you're not counting on him. Uh, but but there is still potential. You wouldn't be shocked if if he did show up. You go down and then you start getting into, you know, these guys, you know, it's kind of funny. We'll, we'll talk about these guys and, you know, there are however many names down the list, but they're in the spot that Aristides Aquino was in last year where they're probably going to be in AAA and, and down in the 18, 19 area. Um, and pardon me on the name, Andy Segulio. Uh, and then you mentioned TJ Friedel already, but those two guys expected to be in triple, you know, you're going to have them probably in AAA, 23, 24 years old. Um, what are the odds Let's on Andy that he, you know, is that just a, whatever, just a shot? Maybe he takes a, takes a step. He's 23 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's a, he's a legit, um, I think I'm trying to remember real quick here, uh, he can run and he can field. So that's a big part of it. And, um, but we'll see, you know, and also like, you also have to think like 19 last year is different because you have, sorry, I, I'm, there's a text chain. <laughs> how many, how many messages? It's a text chain. What is happening? We're just, uh, we're world. just making fun of somebody on a text I chain. I see that. So, um, <laughs> I hope it's not me. No, no, no. It's inside the text chain. Um, there's a couple of baseball writers and so. Nick Groke accidentally, who covers the Rockies for us, accidentally sent something to the wrong text chain about his yoga mat spray. So, as you can imagine, that got the chain going. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep those things clean. Uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have this vision of you doing yoga in your, in your living room. 
Is that a bad? That's a bad vision. Uh, I don't know. I mean, whatever floats your boat, dude. I'm not here to judge. No, look. Have you have you seen kids yoga? This is, oh, yeah. this is helpful for people that are that are stuck at home. You got the kids yoga. The, yep. You can do it. To, they tell the stories of Frozen, Old McDonald, whatever. Like I, I've heard of this. I, I'm not, not going to lie. I've done I've done some uh, Frozen kids yoga with 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 my daughter over the last week, and it's a decent workout. It really is. Yeah. I want you to do it, and, I, and we need these photos. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, is anybody else like stress snacking? Oh, I've not done well. <laughs> goldfish, goldfish stand no chance in oh, my house. Right my now. my wife bought None. the big family size of um, peanut M and M's, um, with the thought that my my daughter says she doesn't like peanuts. It's like, well, sweet, she won't eat these, and so you buy junk food that you know your kid won't eat. And then somewhere along the line, she's like, okay, I'll try one. And I was like, oh, these are magic. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to find something that – we have the same thing. What it's like it's I need to have something that only I like and Megan needs something that only she will like because otherwise, like, well, it's just it's, – it's just a – it's a bloodbath at this point. Um, that's kind of the level of the prospects we are at right now. Um, but you also have to remember like 19 last year is like 20 or is like, uh, would the 19th grade prospect in last year's Reds, um, list when they were like, you know, anywhere from six to 10 in most people's organizational rankings to this year where they're anywhere from 24 to 28. Um, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Is there, Which is funny. Is there any name on the back end there that you have particular interest in watching? Maybe some a super younger guy or a recent draft pick. Or the outfielders. Like yeah. Let me. Just... Quinn Cotton. Do anything for you? Um, you know, he's a draft pick last year. I'm not. It's a great question. Um, I mean, Bautista, just because he's so toolsy, but I don't know that. He's going to hit, you know, um, that's always yeah. a question with some of those guys. So, so maybe that's where I'm, I'm, I'm going with that. Um, you know, he is, uh, Michael Beltre is a guy who was going to like, like when you see him get off the bus, you're like, Oh, that's a guy. Um, but again, he's kind of struggled, um, hitting. So, uh, he, he is, He's a physical specimen, that's for sure. Six three two twenty. Six three two twenty. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm feeling. So it's uninspiring at the back. That's fine. With that far down, it's okay. And again, like we said, I mean, you're you're at a point where you feel like your major league outfield is fairly set for the next two to three years for the most part. I mean, with, with pieces right. that are going to be controllable pieces that are going to be here that, that are high picks, high projects, highly paid, all those things. Over the next three years right now, you have under control uh, Shogo Akiyama, Nick Sincel, Jesse Winker, Phil Irvin. I mean, and Phil Irvin is a first-round pick. So And Aquino. And Aquino, yeah. Yeah. To see what happens there. So, yeah, you. I mean, that's all <laughs> – you're 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 theoretically you're you're doing okay. Um, so that's kind of uh, outfield. We will uh, jump in. We have to finish it off. We did pitchers from a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you want to go back and, and hear the uh, pitcher depth organization conversation, uh, that's there. Uh, we'll get an infielders uh, probably next week, I guess. Uh, as we we kind of run through all of these we're, after that. We, we've got some other stuff planned for you that I'm excited about. Okay. Uh, so keep, keep an eye out. <laughs> I'm glad one of us does. I, I actually do, but it also is a great thing to say if you have no idea how we're going to fill all this time. Is like, I've got, look, I've got a lot of things planned that I'm excited about. I have a, and, a all, and I've got between now and then to figure out what they are. I have a cork board. But I actually do have something. So. Good. That's kind of how I'm feeling about like writing. Is I have a cork board with ideas, and I just write stuff down, and I have it sitting, so it's sitting in front of me, and I've got some ideas that I that I really need to to work on. And I've got one that yes. like I've done a lot of interviews, but I have to transcribe, and then another one that I have a deadline and have to transcribe, all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. We and yeah, I've I've got one coming up too that I just remembered that I uh, a red story that I am 
having to do the. Oh yeah, I know that one. What I'm not the, doing. It. I, I can I can say it right. Like there's yeah, like three yeah, people yeah. listening at this point. So it's like <laughs> it's the what if Johnny Cueto didn't pull his oblique. Which story. is oof. the the ripple effect it's is massive yeah. on that. It really is. There is so much that changed because of that one thing. Um, and and you're still, and maybe we can, maybe we could take next week and, and really dive fully into that as a podcast. That sounds great to me. Form. Um, I, I, except I don't know, like, yeah, you know, are people we, like Reds fans dealing with enough if they don't have to look into 2012? I know. I always, I do feel like it feels bad to dive into something that was, that was kind of torturous in its own right, but it does make you think about brighter days when like you were, yeah. these were the problems, I mean, you, you know? Can, that 2012. Yeah, look at it that man, way. There's so many what ifs in that, you know. So many what ifs, but that was the big one. Um, yeah. That really what if Brandon Phillips doesn't think he's fast? Yeah. You know. <laughs> what if what if that one you know Jay Bruce like is just a touch later and doesn't pull that one foul that home run because he yeah you know yeah it's it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, and and this is all stuff that that you'll we'll get into it. You know, what, how differently do people view Homer Bailey if they end up winning that game three that he pitched arguably the best game that he's ever pitched at Great American Ballpark? And that probably includes a no hitter. I um, think it's the best pick game he ever pitched. And I think Homer would probably tell you that too. Yeah. Better than either of the no hitters. I mean, and, and I mean, when you think, when you think about that, I mean, and because he, be, you know, he's become so negatively viewed and for a number of reasons, big contract injuries, yada, yada, yada. But how much, being the one to win the first playoff series in what would have been 17 years in the first for the entire city and from a pro team in 17 years, the one to get the win and pitch like that would have changed the way people viewed him forever where he could kind of be a guy that couldn't do no wrong because people would say, yeah, but, you know, he gave us that. Um, I don't know. And, and who knows what would have happened next, but uh, it certainly – opens up your eyes but it all really all of those things all of those things started um when immediately johnny cueto gets hurt on a season where nobody got hurt which is just the most cincinnati thing ever so apparently nick croak's uh preferred uh, yoga mat update of yoga yoga mat uh, <laughs> uh spray is manduka energizing ginger grass the quote is, it's got essential oils and shit. So, yeah. Important stuff. I'm glad. I feel like that's definitely where we should end. I think we earned Did, that. I don't know. I just wanted to bring up. Did you see my tweet this morning? I was really excited about. Oh, yeah. The, I, the Dick Pole half jersey? Yeah. It's can really please, amazing. Can you please tell me how you, uh, A, acquired this and what exactly it is? So, um, 2000, let's go back to 2007. Because who doesn't want to go back to 2007? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was a simpler time. I was working at the Cincinnati Post. The Cincinnati Post oh, existed. Man. It was um, So in 2007, uh, the Major League Baseball, like Terry Francona, liked to wear his pullover. Still does like to wear his pullover instead of the jersey. And and now most managers seem to wear pullovers or something instead of just sitting out there in their jersey. I mean, it seems kind of odd when guys aren't doing that, honestly. Jim Rogelman is a guy who liked to do just the jersey. But anywho, uh, Terry Francona got, like, fined. It got pulled aside in, like, the middle of a game, a Yankees-Red Sox game. And during the game, someone, like, MLB security-type person was like, you're not wearing your jersey underneath your pullover. It's like, really, dude, no? Anyway, he got fined, I think, and, and all that happened. So it was a big deal. Like there was a rule that you had to wear a jersey, even if you had a pullover on. If you're a manager or a coach. So, uh, in with that knowledge, Dick Pole was the Reds' pitching coach in 2008 um, and nine, and Dick Pole was a pullover guy too. Um, side note: my all-time favorite Dick Pole story. We are in Milwaukee. Maybe he was there in 2000. I don't remember. Anyway, I just remember being in Milwaukee and, uh, the, uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinels, uh, columnist at the time's name was Michael Hunt. 
And Come on, Trent. The, uh, no, I'm dead serious. So no, the, this, the, whatever this story is, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Oh no, no, it, it, it's fine. Uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel sitting. We on all the, see where um, it's going. Table. Wait, well, hold on. No, no, and um, and and um, Mark Sheldon there sitting there just kind of waiting out. He, <laughs> Dick Pole walks by and goes, Michael Hunt. Guess his parents had the uh, same sense of humor mine did. That's why I go by Richard and walked away. <laughs> Anywho, oh. so Dick Pole wore the pillow pullover. <laughs> yes, the pullover. Dick Pole was a pullover, pullover guy. So he had a jersey made that was like cut off and hemmed so that it he didn't have to tuck it in. So he didn't have to have a tucked in shirt. Into his pants, and he could have just have the half jersey and the pullover. So, 2008 Reds Fest, I believe. Um, I know this is a 2008 jersey because it has the Joe Nuxhall patch on one side. Reds Fest 2008. I always love going in at Reds Fest. My favorite thing about Reds Fest is the Reds Authentics. Um, I think in 2008, I, no, 2007, I bought a, um, Oh shoot. Jason Romano game used broken bat um for Mark Lancaster for his wedding gift because <laughs> there was some gag about Jason Romano. Um Jason Romano was one of those great you know how like every year somebody just has this unbelievable spring training and everybody's like, How could you not have that guy on the team? He was so good in spring training. You know, it's um I'm trying to think some of them, uh, who Roger Bernardino was there. Um, one of the guys who was in the, um, I did one of my first articles for the Enquirer when I got hired was like the, um, the years, whoever those, that, um, spring training hero who everybody says, you're not trying to win if he doesn't make the team. And then anyway, Jason Romano was one of those. So, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so 2008 Reds Fest, I see this glorious half jersey for Dick Pole. And like, the half jersey on its own is interesting, but the fact that it's a Dick Pole jersey just makes it that much more interesting. And so back in those days, you could do the waiting game and get bargains on the last day. When it went to $30, it was half price, it was originally 60 When it was still on the shelf... Or the rack on, on the last day of Red's Fest for $30. This was in the last hours. I, I had to pull the trigger. And so I spent $30 for this thing of beauty. And I thought I had lost it in the move because we moved from, um, our house. We'd rented a house and then we bought this one in 2011. And I thought I'd lost this in the move. And this past weekend, or I think it was Friday. I was looking for my um, Nintendo 64 to play King Griffey Jr. Baseball on the Nintendo 64. And um, I found the Nintendo 64 in a box that had been sealed since the move in 2011. And I also found the Dick Pole half jersey. Wow. So what is what are you doing with it now? Is Are you wearing it? No, no. I'm, it's hung <laughs> up. I like, I like the idea of you, like, just wearing it to, like, go get the mail, you know? Like, like Donald Duck style? Yeah. Robe, robe and dick pole half jersey, but robe open. Yeah. So I've I've got I still have the tag on it from then that says it was thirty dollars because I think that's part of the charm. That is uh, that is a, an authentic for sure. No, I, I agree with you. The random stuff that you can find there is always, always. I always best. love like, oh man, I can buy a pair of Pete McCannon's pants. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, like game used dirt. Yeah, game used dirt. I mean, there is there is nothing that can't be sold. No, I mean, I think I did a story on that after. I think it was Scooter's four homer game, or maybe it was after Homer's second no hitter. Um, just like everything that they grabbed. To, to authenticate. And it was really, really amazing. The, the like, I, I want to see stuff like game used, gr- grounds crew, broom, 
you know, or like the actual Swiffer from the Swiffer Kids run, you know, or like Mr. Not Mr. Freeze, the stash dash guys, you know, cleats. Yeah. Like, let's start getting into the obscure, like, between innings authentics, too. Let's not just stick with just the players. Because that's the type of stuff that would get me by. I would I would buy, like, like one of my game used guys, pens. From, from, from the night he, like, beat Sheldon, right? And give him to Sheldon for, for a gift. Yeah. A game, used, like... a game used Bobby Nightingale pen. <laughs> Or if there's somebody who like chews on them a little bit. Oh, know, that's so Sheldon. Know, yeah. So oh, then you know, put it, put it in a little, put it in a container so you, you can't spread anything, but you know, game chewed. Game chewed Mark Sheldon, um, <laughs> courtyard yeah. by Marriott pen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like we're, I feel like we're really, uh, we're really onto something or like if, if you've ever, uh, there's a, there's a great story about, we're good friend at Bengals.com. He used to cover the Reds, uh, way back in the nineties. Uh, he, they were at San Diego, the old, the Murph. And he was, he, he's notorious for being a, uh, uh, finger tap, uh, tapper. Uh, and oh. like the most aggressive one ever. It's super loud. He actually hit the space bar or the space bar so hard that it went <laughs> flying out of the press box window because it was open air in San Diego down into the stands. And I'm like, a, that space bar I would pay so much to own and have in a box, like the space bar that because that is a gag that lives in Cincinnati uh, media infamy. Uh, the the space bar into the stands incident. I would love to have that one on an authentics as well. I feel like speaking there's lots of, of places you could go. Yeah, speaking of, I have a great story idea I need to talk to you about later. So, on <laughs> good that note, good note. On that note. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, it's for those of you that stuck around. God bless you. I what know is that we all have a you? lot of time on our hands. <laughs> I, like this is proof. That would be proof that you have. Uh, you really, we need to find some more stuff around the house to do, and that we're all in really. A, it's it's just a, a lot of boredom out there. We've never needed baseball more than if you're still listening. So, uh, thanks to everybody that did stick around. And, and remember, hey, 40% off that subscription to The Athletic. Lots of good stuff up on there now. Uh, and luckily, uh, there's also 400 plus other writers there that you can, uh, that you could read. Um, so all of that and more will be back next week. Next week, I think we'll, we will, maybe we will dive into that 2012 Red Sea. We'll see. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time on W-A-R-P in Cincinnati. Ooh. Ooh.